Happy Monday and welcome back to Consumering. I'm your host, Rachel Martin. Consumering is a podcast for investors and brand builders looking to gain a deeper understanding of their consumers, the people who invest in them. Every week, I interview a different type of consumer to talk about all sorts of topics ranging from their shopping habits to social media habits and much, much more. No topic is off limits. Let's get started. Quiet in the back room, please. On today's episode, I speak with Leslie, a 41-year-old woman who has decided not to have kids. I chose this topic because I think so often we think everyone has the same timeline and goals. Go to school, graduate, get a job, find someone to settle down with, have kids, etc. But more and more people these days are deciding not to have kids because that timeline just doesn't work for them. Let's meet Leslie. The next 45 minutes is really all about you and sort of your your life and sort of how what factors came into play that led you to decide not to have kids Mm -hmm. um you know and as I mentioned in our screening call there's definitely a trend that more and more people are choosing not to have kids Mm -hmm. um so I just wanted to do a whole episode on this um and you know as a reminder I am a market researcher so what that means is I'm talking to people every day all day long about different uh types of products and categories just to understand um, their behaviors and how that impacts the choices they make. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess um, let's uh, let's first understand a bit about you, get to know you. So uh, for the purposes of our recording, can you just mention your first name, your age and where you live? Yeah, my name is Leslie. I'm 41 and I live in Chicago um, and I live in downtown Chicago, close to all the action. Um, I've lived there for about six years now. Okay. And who do you live with? I live with my husband. How long have you guys been married? We've been married for 11 years. Okay. How did you guys meet? We actually met at university. So we've been together for about 22 years, I think all together um, we just took our time in the decision to get married um yeah I guess we wanted to be sure <laughs> makes, makes sense makes sense um yeah and what what do you do you don't need to of course mention the company but just like what do you what do you do yeah so I um I'm currently um a director for supply chain planning and my group are the finite planning group so they look after scheduling production lines and bringing in materials for those lines in the the short-term horizon. So it's all about executing on the floor. Mm -hmm. How did you get into that? Yeah, a little bit of a sideways um, move into that. So I started my career in finance. Um, That's what I studied at university and went on and did a um, professional qualification after that as well and worked most of my career, Um, but the company I work for now, they're really great about development and about letting you explore what you want to do and what you're interested in. Um, And when I came across to the US, I came across in a financial role, but I had a lot of passion for supply chain and for the manufacturing process um, and just kind of expressed an interest in doing something different. So I kind of went into 
a hybrid role that was a little bit about strategy and it was about kind of the, the manufacturing footprint strategy and the longer term planning, but you needed a lot of finance experience. Um, and then that went well. I got another role that was, again, needed a bit of finance background, but was all about inventory management. So it was much deeper into the planning world. Um, and then I let them know that I was really interested in this role and that I really wanted it. And when it came up, um, they, I was kind of first chair and they said, OK, go for it. Um, so I've been doing this role for about six months now. Mm-hmm. Um, so a really new challenge, really different for me really different like learning learning how to be a really good support and a really good team leader when you don't actually know how to do the mechanics of the day job so it kind of takes you in a different realm what specifically do you enjoy about it so it's a it's a big the biggest team that i've ever had we have 18 people um they're all remote across north america so it's it's an interesting challenge, basically connecting, making sure that they're all connected and they all understand the goals and what I want to achieve with the team. Um, it's been good for me. I really enjoy coaching and developing people. So the managers that I have that manage some of the team, it's been really great kind of coaching them and helping them think about how they can grow their people, their part of the team. Um, I also really enjoy that. Once I kind of got to grips with what the guys are doing every day, then I'm kind of very free to think about the strategy and what I want to change and how I want to make it more efficient and how we could add more value to the business. So I'm getting a lot of space to do that kind of thinking and kind of shaping what I want that to be. Yeah, that's great. Um, We'll definitely come back to your career um, in a little bit. So um, as you know, I, you have an accent. Um, so where are you originally from? Yeah, originally from Scotland. Um, okay. Lived there most of my life. We had a couple of years, my husband and I, early on in our lives. Um, after we graduated, we went to Asia for a couple of years. Then went back to Scotland um, and kind of, you know, families from there. Um, you yeah. Know. Do you... So, do you still have a lot of family back in Scotland or? Yeah, not all of the family. Some have moved elsewhere as okay. well, but um, m- most of our siblings are still in Scotland. Yeah. Um, and do you, are you an only child? Do you have siblings? I'm the oldest of four. Oldest of four. Okay. Yeah. 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 And I have um, 29 cousins. So lots of big families yeah. in my family. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, talk to me about some of, what were some of your goals when you were growing up? Hmm. Um, I think when you're when you're quite young, the goals are kind of about, you know, they're much more short term, I think. They're much more near term. So as you're kind of going through high school, the goals are around getting into the, the college or the degree program that you want. And kind of once I had made the decision to do finance, it was kind of a, a it's a seven year program in Europe that you essentially have to follow to your um, undergraduate. Then you've got to do your professional exam so the whole thing you've got to have three years professional experience so that became a big goal from probably about the age of 14 or 15 Mm -hmm. now 
big, big focus. Um, and then I think the goals were a lot more generic and also materialistic. So I'll have a big house, I'll have a nice car, um, I'm sure I'll have a family, I'll get married and I'll have three kids and they'll all be perfect and they'll <laughs> behave themselves and it'll all be wonderful and mm -hmm. I'll go on two vacations a year and you know so it was it was kind of the focus was really about getting that qualification and the, the nice lifestyle that it could provide mm -hmm. for yeah and I guess when did when did those goals start to change for you yeah so I think it was probably as I um, was probably in the last year of my studies at university. So just starting to think, okay, so now, now I have to think about, you know, getting a role out in the field. I've got to work in this field. I've got to get all this professional experience. And I started to really think about, um, you know, what do I want out of life? And it was at that point that we decided to take a couple of years and go to Asia. So I actually deliberately delayed my own career path, um, which if you'd asked me when I was 15, there's no way I would have been rigorously focused on that's what you have to do and, and that's how you have a successful life. So I think that started to really shift for me. It made me start to think about what's out there, what the world has to offer. Um, you know, it, it doesn't have to be linear. It doesn't have to be the prescribed way that you follow um, your life. Mm -hmm. And I guess my goals started to really shift into more about who I wanted to be versus what I wanted to have, I think. Interesting. Yeah, tell me a bit more about that, who you want to be versus what you wanted to have. Yeah, so as I say, I think that, you know, you do initially, you think about having the house and having the nice cars and all of that stuff. But I think that as I've matured, it's been a lot more about what impact do I want to have on the lives of the people that I interact with? Um, what impression do I want to leave with people? Do I, I want to make sure that um, my interactions are positive, that I come across. I, I land well with people in a way that's going to make them feel good. So it was a lot more about, you know, how do I be that person that I want to be? How do I, you know, things like this, for example, I feel quite passionate about it because I feel that there are a number of young women who don't necessarily think it's okay to talk about this. So, you know, this is where I feel I've got to be brave and I've got to be the person I want to be that I can talk openly and frankly about how I feel and why I feel the way I feel. So I think that evolution really started in my early 20s. Mm -hmm. That I had to focus a lot more on, on that. Yeah. And what kind of... Yeah, tell me a little bit more about this impact that you hope to have and the person you want to be. Yeah, so I, I think it's really about bringing positivity. And I don't know that I necessarily knew that's exactly what it was when I was younger, but I think it's more in recent years as I've, you know, kept trying to explore more about myself and learn more about myself. But it, it really is, it's about trying to leave a positive impact. It's about trying to help other folks either grow in some way, um, understand something new about themselves, um, see other possibilities, um, feel good about themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
would you say have really been the big influencers on you um, in sort of like coming to these terms? So I think um, I, I'm not sure where the desire to travel came from. Um, I almost feel like it's in the Celtic genetics somehow. <laughs> I guess that's why there's like Scottish people all over the world and Irish people all over the world. Um, but I think that that certainly had a, a big influence. Like when I started to travel, when I started to see the world and I started to see, you know, especially like the time in Asia, I could see the positive impact. I was working as a kinder, uh, kindergarten teacher, teaching, you know, like five-year-old children English, which was fun. Um, but I could see the positive impact that I could have on their lives and not just around teaching them the words, but teaching them about how to positively interact with each other, about how to come together as a, a class, as a team, um, about how to help each other, about how much, you know, so it started to really open my eyes to what the world is and, and you know, the most important thing that we do every day is interact with others. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, great. I want to talk a bit more about your career because um, it sounds like it's been very fulfilling um, and you've you've always been like very motivated. Um, why why is that important to you? You know, like so many people just have a job to pay the bills. So I think there's a couple of factors that really help kind of cement that I wanted more than that. Um, I think first and foremost, realizing that I wanted a career probably came from, you know, being a child and seeing my mum stay at home with us and not necessarily take a lot of financial responsibility for the family. That was left with my dad and, you know, when they separated, just seeing the consequences of that uh, and just, you know, realising how little she had. Um, so I think that was kind of the firm decision of, okay, well, I'm going to have a successful career. Um, and then I think that the second thing that really made me wake up to the fact that a job has to be fulfilling and it has to be more than for me, more than just turning up for a paycheck, was the first role that I had in my, my finance professional world. Um, a lot of great people that I worked with, um, but there were a couple of really not great people that I worked with. And specifically, there was one woman who ran the team and she was a bully. She had a really bad attitude. She had extreme fear of missing out to the point that she wouldn't let people have team meetings without her sitting in and listening to them. She was extreme and she made life miserable for everyone at work. Mm. And I think it was through that role that, yep, I knew that I enjoyed finance. I knew that I enjoyed being closer to supply and but I also knew that that I wasn't prepared to just come to work and put up with stuff that I wanted more, that I wanted to go somewhere that had a, an open culture, that had a positive culture, 
um, that wanted to, you know, bring the te teams together, all of that good stuff. Um, and I think it was like that kind of, that mental sort of realisation that some people actually have to go through this mm -hmm. for years that made me decide so early on that I was going to take control of the situation. I wasn't prepared to work 60 hours a week as a regular thing, that I wasn't prepared to put up with being bullied or belittled or not be allowed to make my own decisions and that I was going to deliberately seek out companies that would have a much better culture. And the first one you go to that feels better, it just, you know, self-fulfilling, it just goes from there. You become more and more determined that that's what you're going to look for. Yeah, yeah, that's great. What is your dream for your career? Yeah, okay, so um, I think it's, it's probably something that I've been thinking quite a lot about recently myself, just about as I think you know, what do I want to do next and where do I want to take this um, and what's my potential? Um, I definitely don't have an end game and I don't have a, a clear career path mapped out. Um, and I, I definitely am not too concerned about chasing titles, but I really am enjoying the opportunity to move into different areas of the business mm -hmm. that I'm in currently. And um I think that I'm really starting to firm up the ideas about where I want to go next and the roles that I want to take on. And I think that I'm thinking about how I stretch myself into areas that I, I would never have thought that I would go into mm -hmm. when I was younger and when I was studying. Mm -hmm. um, and why, I, is, it, why it, is that important? Um. So one th I think what the reason that it's important to me is, um, you know, one of the strengths I have is um, learner, a learning strength. I love to learn mm -hmm. and I love to stretch and grow myself. And so I think that that's what really motivates me about that idea is, is proving that I can come in and build effective teams. I can build a great culture within those teams I can think strategically about a whole variety of different areas of the business and deliver within them. And I think that it it feeds that that learner aspect. Um, and I, I'm also a maximizer. And these words come from um, the the Strength Finders um, survey. Mm -hmm. One of the one of the things I did a few years back, just as part of kind of figuring out more about myself, those they really speak to me, and I think that that's what they help me. You know, the strengths that are in me naturally that they re that really helps me make the most of those, which always feels fulfilling when you're making the most of your talents. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, okay, so let's transition into your decision to not have kids very yeah. very seamless transition um was it i guess was it a moment was it over time was it a series of discussions i guess yeah i'm very very curious how you came to the decision yeah i, I mean i think it was really um it was a combination of both right so if i think about over time i think about 
Um, yeah, so I, I think about that 15 year old girl who, you know, had that idea in her mind that once she was a finance professional, she would get married and have the house and the family and the three perfect children and whatever else. And just as time progressed, it just never felt right for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember in my late 20s in particular, my mum my put a lot of pressure on me, um, quite frankly, that, you know, I'll regret it if I don't have children. I need to think about it soon. You know, you're getting older. You've got to think about it. You need to make a decision. You might want to have a few children. You know, and I didn't. It didn't feel right. I didn't feel comfortable, but she made me really soul search, I guess, at that time about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then pile onto that, we, my husband and I decided to get married just right around then. And of course, then, you know, friends and family, wider society somehow seems to think they have the right to comment on why you're making that decision and most people make a lot of comments about oh that's because you're ready to have children now yeah yeah that's Um, so I was I was gonna ask you you know like have you ever felt judged for these decisions absolutely and it's 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 an ongoing thing um but I'll I'll just kind of finishing off kind of the decision not Mm -hmm. to have children I think it was always it never felt right. It never felt like a fit. But I always left the door open, like maybe one day I'll change my mind. And I think it was um, probably about four years ago that, um, you, know, I, you know, I went for my checkup and the doctor said, I, you know, if I wanted to have children, that I would have to really think about it soon because there could be some problems. And it was at that time that I just thought, I don't want this. Mm-hmm. It's not what I want. It's, I'm, I'm leaving this door open because I feel like that's what's expected of me. Mm. Um, and so that was that was kind of when I made that final call and obviously talked with my husband about it um, at that time too. And, you know, he was in the same frame of mind that he was happy with that decision. And so that was it. The yeah. decision is made. And, you know, and I've, I've told my family um, that that is it and I've made the decision. And I don't expect to get any pressure or anything back from them. Um, and how did they ultimately, I mean, it doesn't matter, but I guess like how did they, yeah, it doesn't matter what people think, but like how did they ultimately respond when they were like, oh, wow, she's she's serious? Yeah, so I think with my family, um, it was interesting because, you know, after my mum being one of the principal kind of people who put pressure on me, you know, t- 10 years before I made the decision, when I did make the decision, she kind of said, you know, I can understand it because you have a great lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I can completely understand. And you've got nephews and and maybe there's a little bit for her. She's got grandchildren now, so it doesn't have to be me that delivers that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I think that my siblings were, you know, they were really fine with it. You know, there was no, they were like, yeah, absolutely, if that's what you want. You know, my, my sister that has children, again, she, she could completely understand it. She was like, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's how you want to live. Um, 
But I think it, it, it's hard not to feel judged and it's hard not to feel excluded sometimes too. Um, you know, conversations at work, you know, so you've got some women chatting about their kids and about issues. And, you know, despite the fact that I have some experience in kindergarten teaching, and I also served on a children's charity, on the board of directors for a children's charity for six years mm -hmm. and learned an awful lot about child psychology, mm -hmm. I am still often disregarded as not having any valid opinion mm. of how you might be able to help a child mm. or overcome a problem with a child um, by women much more so than by men yeah which is very interesting I think <laughs> yeah how does that make you feel hmm. um well it's, it's not it's not a nice feeling it's not comfortable it's not comfortable to be in a situation where the group wants to talk about their children and focus on that. And when you try to input to the conversation, you don't feel validated. Mm -hmm. um, but neither do they want to change the conversation to something that includes you. So I think sometimes, partic again, particularly mothers can be unaware of how much they are excluding folks. And, and in some way, you do feel like you're being judged mm -hmm. for being different. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not a major factor in my life, but it certainly happens, you know, at least every couple of months there's an incident that reminds you that you're different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, how would you how would you describe your lifestyle you know like what what adjectives would you use if you were to just like describe it with a couple like words emotions or whatnot how would you what comes to mind um satisfying um fulfilled what was the word first word you said satisfying satisfying okay mm-hmm fulfilled um definitely fun um i feel a lot of freedom in my life um what else would i feel yeah, yeah tell, i think those are the ones yeah tell me about mm -hmm. um satisfied and fulfilled yeah just um i, I feel maybe content is a better way to, to wrap that up. But, you know, get home from work and make some dinner and maybe have a glass of wine and sit down and, you know, look at my nice, tidy home and put the fire on, especially right now in the polar vortex, yeah. and just feel satisfied and happy with what I have and mm -hmm. my lifestyle. Um, I'd say even similarly... You know, I travel quite a bit for business. Um, it doesn't bother me. And in fact, quite the opposite. I sometimes feel quite, you know, bold and brave and free and mm -hmm. empowered to, you know, be this woman on her own traveling around the country, you know, figuring stuff out. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you wish could be, you know, it sounds like you have a really great lifestyle, but what do you wish could be improved, if, if anything? 
literally the option to take more vacation time. Mm -hmm. That that would be the biggest thing for me. If I could have less time than I needed to be at work um, and more time that I could travel, Mm -hmm. I think that that would add more. Yeah, so how often do you get to travel for work versus for fun? So travel for work... Um, as a minimum once a month, but it's often twice a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and then probably about, you know, four times a year, we'll, we'll bolt on a long weekend to one of these places that I've, I'm traveling to. Um, and then for vacation, we usually, we, we go back to Scotland once a year and we usually go for two weeks. But um, we are allowed to work remotely, so we work quite a lot of that time. We just have the advantage of, of being at home to catch up with the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we typically take, you know, one other decent break, you know, maybe four days or so, and then a long, a long break. And the last, last this 2018, we managed to actually take three weeks off, which was <laughs> it's quite unique in the US. Yeah, where'd you go? Um, we went to Thailand um, and visited a few different places. And then we finished up in Hong Kong for a few days. Nice. Nice. Yeah, it, was, it was wonderful. Yeah. So great. I guess. So, yeah, I want to understand a bit more about finances. Like if you were to personify your relationship with finances, what would you, what would it be? Is it a friend, enemy, lover, frenemy? Lover's probably your best word there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I've always, I don't know if I'll be able to explain this, but I've always had a very healthy relationship with money. Yeah, I've made some mistakes along the way, and yeah, there have been some difficult times. But I think having the finance background and having that finance mentality, which, you know, I was very young when I realised I was quite naturally able to work through finances it's never been scary for me Mm -hmm. and it's never felt wrong to go after Mm -hmm. you know money yeah um in the right way obviously you never want to do anything that would you know hurt anyone else but so long as I'm feeling that I'm doing I'm being positive I have positive intent I don't feel I've never felt like I shouldn't have more or mm-hmm. deserve more or you know I'm not one of the, those kind of people and I, I've I've always felt like it's I've been a a very healthy respect mm-hmm. right. for money and, and what it does for you yeah do you have any financial like stressors I mean because I'm just thinking about so my you know my life living in I live in New York City I have two kids so it is you know like I'm constantly thinking like I work to, to provide for my kids mm-hmm. education my kids daycare and whatnot um, so I just wonder if like do you yeah do you have other financial stressors definitely not stressors anymore I think absolutely you know, maybe 10 years ago, huge stressors. Um, you know, we, we took some big bets on investments that, you know, well, everyone suffered mm-hmm. <laughs> in the in the crash, but it was having the nerve to see that through. 
And having done that and come out the other side, it's like if you can do that once, you can do it a million times. I've lost my job in the past and it worked out better for me getting another job. My husband's gone through a couple of years of unemployment. You know, we made it work. We can get through it. You know, so it's, I, I absolutely do not feel like I have any stressors anymore. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the opposite, I feel now very, very positive about the the financial and monetary goals that we can go after. Um, we're not too many years away from being in a position where both of us could lose our jobs and it would not impact our lifestyle, mm. which feels extremely satisfying and motivating to kind of get over that line. So, you know, since I am a market researcher, I'd like to understand sort of what motivates people to buy certain products or experiences and yeah, and what they're, what they're buying. So what, what do you, I remember like in the screening call, you mentioned, um, you know, you spend a lot of money on travel. Um, and also I believe you said home, like home furnishings. Um, but yeah, I guess I'd like to understand sort of like what other categories you might spend money on. Like, is it, um, fitness is it food is it beauty travel home decor just understanding the different areas that you like to invest in yeah so i mean absolutely travel and it's it's more than home decor it's sort of home renovation mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah like you know remodeling bathrooms knocking walls down that mm-hmm. kind of stuff mm-hmm. Um, redesigning spaces to maximize their potential um, then beyond that I think a good amount of money on eating out um, and again it's just you know living in Chicago with so many fantastic places to experience um, you know and just it's great I, I enjoy going out for dinner just to spend time together you know just no distractions, no no TV, no cell phones. We tend to just sit and talk. We can go for dinner and be sit, you know, sat there for three hours. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoy that, and we do spend uh, on that. I try not to buy a heap of clothes. Um, again, just trying to be more conscious of the environment and conscious of my footprint on it. Mm-hmm. But if I am buying things, I'm looking to buy nicer pieces that are going to last yeah I guess when you are when you are looking to buy whether it's like um you know personal care items or fashion clothing what what are things that you look for in a brand reliability and consistency so there are some brands you know like um I can't tell you how many brands of foundation I tried until I tried Chanel and now I only use Chanel because it's the best I've ever I ever tried and it's been consistent mm-hmm. um, and I never have an issue with it so mm-hmm. that's what I buy every time um, so that would be one example but that's that's definitely if a brand lets me down um, I'm a lot less likely to stick with it and what about, like, what do you look for in a travel experience? Like, what does it need to provide? Definitely something something exciting in that there's got to be a part of the vacation is something new 
um, or somewhere that we haven't been in a long time so we can see what's different and we can learn about the place. Mm -hmm. um, usually looking, we look for something that's got a little bit of cultural cultural and historic experience to go with it. So we might do a beach holiday, but we'll do the beach for two or three days and then we'll go into town and explore the nearest city or whatever for two days before we go home. Yeah. Well, Leslie, I think um, those are all my questions. I really appreciate it. Yeah. No, it was a, it was a good chat. It was yeah. interesting. Good. <laughs> you think about things in a different way. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, and definitely, what are what are your plans for Nashville? Um, nothing, nothing major. We mm -hmm. actually we like Nashville, and we come here quite a lot. Um, okay. Because I have to come here for work fairly regularly, so I think um, the Ryman Auditorium is one place we've never toured, so that's mm -hmm. on the list for this weekend. Yeah. Well, enjoy enjoy your stay. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Okay, take care. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Rachel. Bye. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for being a part of the Consumer Immersion today. What did you find insightful? Be sure to join the discussion on Twitter at ConsumeringPod. This podcast is brought to you by Remcal Insights, a qualitative research company for startups and private equity firms needing consumer and category intelligence basically yesterday. If you have any feedback on the podcast or want to find out how you can reach your consumer, email rachel at remcalinsights.com. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. See you next time on Consumering.